Welcome to We Talk Games, the arcade weekly show that brings you arcade games every week, weekly, by the games at Arcade Weekly and the people also at We Talk Games with the Arcade Weekly Arcade Games. I am Wiggly, one of your hosts, and today, special industry co-host on the line is Alex Noisy. Hey, how you doing, Wiggly? Long time no chat. It's been... It was around five, I think, which... Wow. Yeah. Time flies, man. Time it does. flies. It does. Yeah. And what's going on in Noisyville? Well, we uh, started working on Runner 3, obviously the sequel to Runner 2. We're having a lot of fun doing that. Five years, man. What else? <laughs> we released a game called Tharsis that, uh, that I adore. Um, I didn't work on it uh, myself until the very end, so I feel like I can say that I adore it without being too biased. And, you know, so that's a good one. I'm loving my Nintendo Switch, and oh. I'm looking forward to the... Uh, uh, to California Extreme in July to to bring it back to arcade relevance. Just all around, trying to live life, have a good time. And yeah. you've gone through a name change to Choice Provisions? We have. We used to be called Gaijin Games. And as it turns out, there were, uh, I think there were five companies in the video game space with, uh, with the word Gaijin in the title. And yeah. um, a long, boring story later, we decided to change ours to one of the names that we had been floating around the first time, which was Choice Provisions, because we bring you only the choicest of provisions. The most choiced is. <laughs> the most choicest, yes. yes. That's us. Now, on the Switch, do you have the Bomberman? Because that's the only one that's exciting me. Oh, really? No, I don't have Bomberman. Okay. Uh, I've just been playing Zelda nonstop. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, unfortunately, I stopped getting new game systems I think the last one's probably the the DS with the two eyeballs that you use. <laughs> with the two eyeballs. Yeah, the ones where you your do. eyeballs live. You have to use them when you're playing the 3DS or the DS. It's just, it, it works best that it's way. It's a must. Yeah, it's, eyeballs are pirates. not included. No, not good for pirates. No, certainly not. You're going to have to turn that slider all the way down. Indeed. It's always uh, customary for the industry co-host is what the name I came up with to choose the game. Let's do it. I'm excited to talk about this game. So, Alex. Yes. One day, a gap formed in the void. All that was lighter than the gap headed upwards and formed the sky, and all that was heavier than the gap fell downward and became the earth. From the sky fell a clear blue drop of dew, and from the earth rose a dark black drop of dew. As these two drops mixed, all that existed except for sun and moon and the stars. From these two drops came humans and even the gods. The leader of the gods, Chang Che Wang, awoke to this cry of three roosters. The rooster emperor of the sky, the rooster emperor of the earth, and the rooster emperor of humans. Chang Chi Wung knew that the three roosters were crowing because there was no sun. To appease the roosters, Chang Che Wang crafted two suns and two moons and made the two suns rise and fall every day, and the two moons rise and fall every night. So why Silkworm? 
<laughs> so why silkworm? That is a very good question. I like the lead in a lot. And if we were to get very out there and stretching for a connection, we could talk about how the rooster gods had to coexist. And of course, that segues into Silkworm being a two-player co-op game. As do the two suns and the two moons. As do the two suns and the two moons. Why Silkworm? Well, I actually, here's the deal. When we were talking about coming back on the show, the immediate games that I thought of that we should probably talk about, the first place I went was, which were the games that were the most meaningful to me when I was younger, Mm -hmm. when arcades were actually real and were awesome and weren't all about appliances. Like if you go to a quote unquote arcade today, you know, you're fighting fires and stuff with a big giant fire hose or you're turning a pirate ship with a big giant pirate ship wheel, which it's all kind of fun and that's cool, right? It's fine. But back in the heyday, the golden era of the arcade, you had essentially the same controls with every game. It was a joystick, a couple of buttons, and you walked up and you had to experience the uniqueness of the game through these relatively restrictive parameters that the game developers had. And yet there were innumerable variables that the games could illustrate to you as the player. And it felt like you were going into a familiar space to experience something new, which was neat. You know, I go to arcades these days and I'm just bombarded by, oh, that's unique and different and that's distinct and that's new and that's something else. You know, I don't ever feel like I'm at home and that I can just sort of play around in the space, which is what the old arcades felt like. So I started thinking, okay, games that were super meaningful to me and a lot of the obvious ones came up that I think were very, very popular. But I didn't really want to talk about any of those because everyone loves those and talks about those. Now, Silkworm, certainly, I think, probably pretty popular, but it's not one of those that's on the top of anyone's golden era of arcade lists. Um, Yet, it has a special relevance to me. And so that's why. That's the long answer as to why Silkworm. Very good. To set it up for our listeners, Silkworm, 1988 by Tecmo. One of the unique things about this is that when you get the splash screen, you see the infamous Tecmo mascot, the Tecmo Bunny. You're going to talk about the rabbit because I was going to. I was thinking there was that rabbit at the beginning. Was that? And I don't remember it from other Tecmo games. Yeah, it was sort of like the wrist star of uh, Sega. Um, I don't know if you knew Wrist. Wrist Star. I remember Wrist Star. He was supposed to be the mascot before Sonic. Wow. Was chosen. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But Silkworm is not what you might be thinking. Uh, a bunch of worms going across and making a garment for uh, the wealthy. Uh, as as exciting as a game that may be. Yes. Silkworm is a code name, which I, I got to tell you, I've heard the term silkworm associated with jeeps for some reason but i'm not sure if it's just because of this game <laughs> or because that was really a thing so, yeah. sort of like um a turtle ship in japan was it a certain type of ship right so what we have here is as you mentioned a two-player cooperative game it is a side-scrolling shooter and you could either play as a helicopter or a jeep in single-player mode or if you're in dual player mode, then one person is a helicopter and one is a jeep. And I, I just want to say that is the only way to play Silkworm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Normally at this time, we toss to T.T. Schmootkins for her snap stats, which tell us a little bit more about the game. But I'm, we're just going to skip it today because, I mean, it's probably like a Z80 and, it, you know, it's a four button controls, which is interesting. And we'll talk about that. But now we're just going to skip right ahead since we probably want to find out a little bit more about choice provisions, although maybe you already touched on everything. <laughs> Okay, but maybe sure. maybe we want to talk about some of the other choices that uh, you actually gave to us, which is which is quite unusual for an industry co-host. We've yet to have someone give us multiple choices for for us to decide on which we wanted to review. And and I did choose Silkworm because of its less popularity and because it's fucking awesome. <laughs> it is awesome. So I do want to get into some making mechanics, and we're going to go starting back in 1969. Now mostly these are going to bump between uh, helicopter and jeepy type of games and they're not going to really be both because there really was nothing exactly like this so i'm going to go back to the ems because i loved this game and you might not have even been born you were probably still a sperm in someone else's testicles Ooh. 19 yes that's how young you were 1969 we had midway midway released a lot of games uh, that were electromechanical Hence the name Midway, because it was more like of a, a midway of a of a carnival or right, a circus right. or a between your butts. Um, so the electrical mechanical was Whirly Bird, and I fucking loved this. It was sort of like the Vertibirds of the 70s, uh, which I talk about quite often, where it was a helicopter inside of a box. And the helicopter, it was on a tether. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the Vertibirds and these Whirlybird things and these chopper games that were electromechanical in a box, they had a tether, but that was just keeping it so it didn't fly away. The actual <laughs> propellant of it were the, were the blades, the lift of the helicopter. The tether helped the chopper tilt, and that's what drove the helicopters forward and backwards at different speeds. So... Right away, Midway's Whirlybird comes to mind, and that was a pretty big helicopter. And the point of that was there were these electronic uh, springs located around a very rudimentary-looking cityscape or some type of thing. And you tried to make your helicopter with its little electric spring sticking out and hit one of the lighted electro springs, and then some were vertical and some were horizontal, etc. 1974, Midway followed that up with Chopper. It had the eight-track tape, and it was more... And then it had an eight-track that had helicopter blade sound. And it was more like a, a fake shooting. You shot things at, at other things where there was really nothing coming out. Wow. Yeah, you got to find ways. I hadn't remembered Chopper at all, but I, I want to say that... Um Whirlybird, the first one you were talking about, I think I've encountered one of those in real life. Have you been to San Francisco and uh, do you know of the Musée Mécanique? No, but I have been to San Francisco and so, I went in the Wax Museum and they didn't have it there. <laughs> That's it's, But you were probably in the right area. If and when you're in San Francisco again, near Pier 39, there is an amazing museum called the Musée Mécanique and it's got all of these vintage electromechanical coin-operated amusements. Some are games and some are just amusements. You know, you put the coin in, you watch the wind blow at a stagecoach, these types of things. And I want to say that they had Whirlybird there at one point. And the, the best thing about Musée Mécanique is that everything works. Oh. So they've restored everything and they all use coins. 
and you put them in and they work and it's really amazing. But anyway, back Super to cool. it. Yeah, I was talking about the choppers and I forgot to split the difference. In 1972, Midway also released Dune Buggy. So that brings in something that's similar to a Jeep. Mm. <laughs> and you use the steering wheel and you looked inside the box. And oh, I don't cool. really remember what you did, but you drove around. That's what I did. I just drove around. I don't know. I didn't know anything <laughs> about scoring. Yeah, no, they didn't have As a little kid. That's so amazing. Yeah. 1978, though, we're going to get into the raster graphics. And this was also one of my favorite games. And this brings in the two-player element. And that was Atari's Fire Truck. Oh, my gosh. Dude, that is my high score is 61 uh, in Fire <laughs> Truck. it was 61. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was playing a two-player two with a buddy of mine. And it was... I mean, it's ridiculous. You're going to have to talk about the controls and stuff, but it's, it is absolutely ridiculous. It's one of the hardest games that there has been. And your score is literally like, you know, you score like two, four points at a time or whatever. Mm -hmm. And we were so stoked when we got 61. Cause I think like our previous runs, we had gotten like 15, yeah. you know, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Fire truck is so good. I often talk about stunt cycle as well. And same type of thing, very rudimentary graphics, uh, actually, you know, I mean, for its time, 1978, it's not bad. No, stunt cycle's fine. Same with fire truck. There's a lot going on, buildings and, and a street, and yes, yeah. yes, there's no, there's no curves. It's <laughs> very <laughs> angular streets. <laughs> but yeah, which makes the job of the person in back much harder. Indeed. So one person is sitting down, uh, like you would in a, in a racing game, a classic racing game, and the other person is standing up in back of you. So very bad for people who are paranoid, uh, <laughs> with people standing in back of them. And they both have uh, steering wheels, and the front person is steering the fire truck, and the back person is steering the... The back of the fire truck. Whatever you called that. Yeah, I just call it the back of the fire truck. I used to know what that was called. It has a different name? Yeah. Let's call it the gondola. Even though that's Ooh. absolutely not what it is. I like that. I call it the gondola. All right. And uh, you would, be, you know, you know you're, you could be fighting each other, steering the wrong ways. Uh. <laughs> because the back of the truck, of course, is, is had a little bit heavier weight to it. And the front, yep. you had to sort of try to keep in line and not crash into the corners. And there's, an, there's a surprising amount of yelling when you play that game with, with a friend. <laughs> And that would be a game to have at home. You could play it one player, but um, yeah, definitely two player was the way to go. And what an experience. And yeah. did you put out fires with like a button or something? Jeez. You know, honestly, I am not even sure if we ever made it to a fire. I think because you get points for steering around a curve right. successfully. I'm having trouble remembering. I think um, that was like a thing that just said fire, fire. It didn't. I think it was just words. But I haven't played this like since it came out, I think. Oh, goodness. Um, yeah. Uh, but boy, that really gives a lasting memory. I just, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you put out fires. I think they might have been put out automatically if you got to the house. Yeah, um, maybe. I think you might be right on that or, one. Or you might just be squirting water all over the place. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> like all good firefighters do. Yeah. But it's definitely a game that, you know, you could emulate on main, but it's not going to be the same at all. Unless you have no. two steering wheels and stand behind a person no, you, in front of you. You want the arcade experience. And if you ever have a chance to, to play it, you must. Like if you see it in an arcade and you're like, eh, I don't know. Yeah. 
you absolutely must, even if you grab a stranger and have them in the back. Oh, but I hate it when a little kid would come up and, and be, and he'd be in the back of me and, 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 and he'd oh, yeah. fuck everything up. No, you want somebody who's going to take it seriously. That's, yeah. that's the truth. Oh man. When scores on the, are on the line in the double and single digits, yeah. you got to have somebody who's willing to play with you. You got to get more than two. <laughs> not easy. Firetruck might not even be uh, available to emulate on a ROM because Stunt Cycle isn't. Everything was uh, chip specific that you couldn't emulate a ROM. And most of it was done with different ways that uh, transistors were configured, you know, like, like early Pong or something. Wow. And yeah, that's interesting. Like, I have this, I have the Stunt Cycle um, home version that you plug into the TV. I do too! <laughs> It's cool. Cycle Brothers, you ain't shitting. It is super cool because the handles, I mean, it's like a real motorcycle. It's totally rad. Indeed. In fact, when when my buddy comes over and he lives in Pittsburgh, so he's not very close, he might as well live on the moon. But uh, he, when he comes over, you know, I have all this incredible technology and we go to stunt cycle. Right. Yeah. Because fun is just fun. And you play it mostly by ear. And I've talked about Stunt Cycle a little bit, and this is way far off of Silk Road. <laughs> you're the only person I know. I mean, I even talked to Nolan Bushnell about it. He said, yeah, we came out with a couple games that were breakout boxes, you know, like like the pinball. Um, right. And Oh, yeah. That's our video pinball, the, the standalone deal. Yeah. That's the best way to play that. It is incredible. And, you mm-hmm. know... Um, Boy, I wish I could remember who did it. It might have been Coleco came out with a tank game just like that. It was two oh, yeah. versus tanks, and each of you had the dual joysticks. Yeah, it was like its own standalone deal, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And it yep. was camouflage colored, I yep. want to say. Indeed. Yeah, I don't have that one. Yeah. yeah, mine broke. But yeah, Stunt Cycle is great because like, if you get over 21 buses that you're jumping at the bottom, you have to try to land off screen where you, you, you just have to try to hear. <laughs> did, did I don't I, know that I've ever gotten that good. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> That's just amazing. I'm going to go back to it. Yeah, you, you have to because, you know, you play it mostly by sound. And right. uh, once you start getting over 23, you're, you're, you land off screen. That is amazing. so awesome. Yeah, it's really That's cool. so good. It's really cool. From fire truck, which we is hard to get past, I go on to the first rescuey type of helicopter game, which was Rescue of mm-hmm. all things, 1982 by Stern, which actually came out well probably the same time as Choplifter. Choplifter actually came out um, by uh, Bro- Broder Broder Broderbund? Yeah, Broderbund. Was Choplifter was Broderbund? Yeah, uh, initially wow. in 1982, made by Dan Gorlin. It wasn't released uh, by Sega until 1985, so mm-hmm. probably I'm going to say that was for you know one of the, uh, the English home consoles, computer type of things in, from the Europe. So the same year Stern brought out Rescue, except that what was interesting about Rescue is you're, you were a helicopter that sort of uh, was more like a time pilot, I think, more so because it was twin stick. And it had unbelievable layers of parallax that were probably faked out 
incredible depth to it. Very difficult game, not too fun, but you you want to keep trying with it. So it's pretty neat. And then uh, I think that one of the most influential would be Choplifter. Everybody came out yeah. with Choplifter for the Mac yeah. or everything else. So like I said, 1982 with that as well. 1985 in the arcade. 1986, getting back to our Jeep aspect. Jackal, who did Jackal? Wasn't Tecmo. that Cap? Yeah. Oh, no, that was Tecmo. Yeah, Tecmo also did Jackal, and, except that was a vertical, vertical yeah. uh, game. Right. Um, it's so good. It is so good. And it would play into later iterations of unlicensed, we won't admit to it versions <laughs> of, of Silkworm. And we're still not at Silkworm. Darius came out by Taito in um, 1986. I bring that up because of the graphics compared to the graphics of Silkworm. And both of them use only two layers of scrolling. But uh, we'll talk about the graphics of Silkworm, which um, I'm not, not knocking on them yet. Or, <laughs> or not praising them yet. I didn't even mention um, Tiger Heli. I can't, I can't recall oh, yeah. when Tiger Heli came out. So that was similar, but that was mostly blast them up. She didn't fight anyone in the air. You, although there were planes launching somewhere, <laughs> they, <laughs> they never came after you. Uh, but I do remember, I think it was 85, and then in 87, Mr. Heli came out by Irem. And I bring that up because that was like Darius, but that was also, uh, and it, like it had canyons, uh, well, stalactites and stalagmites, things like that. And uh, yeah. But that was just shooting as well. And it was multi-directional. And then we go into our Silkworm 1988, which we will talk about. But I want to skip one time into the future because I always talk about my NEC and my Turbo Graphics and my things people shit on. And I have to bring up Aldenice 1991 by Super Graphics because it was never released for any other system. And for some reason, even though this is a space-based, unbelievable graphics type of things where you might see your enemies from behind like you did in download which only came out for the pc engine okay um but aldenice 1991 get it for your mame it is a super graphics game the bosses when you destroy them you could fly right into them zero flicker that super graphics was a monster no one believes me it could have competed with the super nintendo and it was only one extra chip it was only one extra 8-bit chip and if they would have put that into the the Turbo Duo, when they released it in America so late, I think it could have really kept up with even the Super Nintendo. Um, in, in Japan, the PC Engine was blowing everything away. It blew away the NES. It blew away the, the Mega Drive. It blew away the Super Nintendo for a while, and then the Super Nintendo took over. Wow. Yeah, and the That's Super cool. Graphics was a giant flop, of course. Yeah. It had only like six games for it. But Aldenice is a unique shooter that... Number one, I can't beat, which is almost impossible for a shooter, even with slow-mo and turbo, turbo stick. But it really reminds me of this, and I don't know why. Check it out. Play it. You'll be very pleased that you did if you love shooters. I do. Mm, mm. And check it out. Aldenese. A-L-D-Y-N-E-S. Now, it could be it, it could be like Ordine, so it's like <laughs> Aldines. Aldines. I think, I think it's Aldenese. <laughs> because uh, Y is E a lot of times. So. Sure. Um, anyway, so let's get into Silkworm. Silkworm, as we mentioned, is two-player, simultaneous if you want, or single-player. If you want to play as a helicopter, you choose the one-player spot. If you want to play as the Jeep, which is uh, <laughs> a fun play. <laughs> it's much harder if you're playing single-player. Much harder. Uh, yeah. 
I want to mention about the graphics real quick, and then I'll let you take over uh, sure. about your feelings about it. But uh, one thing I do want to say about the graphics, uh, when I first started playing it, I thought, hey, this looks amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. 1988, but it looks really good, and it's two-player simultaneous. Wow, some of these bosses are really bizarre, and they're only like one shade of a color. Then I stepped back and looked at it and said, oh, there's only two planes of scrolling, the foreground and the background. Oh. And then I started looking at it, I thought, this... This actually is fairly ugly, <laughs> but but because of how fast it is, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Like you don't know. I remember. Yeah, it's actually what you're mentioning is definitely true. Because I remember when I was a kid thinking it was just such an amazing looking game. And then I went back to it as an adult and I was like, wow, this doesn't I don't remember it being so crusty. <laughs> and it can be. Yeah. yeah. And that's why I brought up Darius, because Darius was also too plain. Well, you know, it's Taito, but it had so many color palette swaps in the background around your ship, the energy fields and stuff. And you have energy fields in here, too. Why don't you give us why you like this, what you remember it's about? I might sure. be able well, to I, interject I mean, and stuff like I think, that. I, I think you're going to bring a lot of technical knowledge to the to the game and the discussion, but... The, the thing for me that really stuck with me was the emotional impact that this game had. It was 1988. How old was I? Um, 14. Mm. I was going to the movie theater on my own. You know, I could bike there or walk wow. there. And they got the Silkworm game. It just looked so awesome. And this was after video games had been around for a while. So they were starting to get really tasty, you know. And I remember always wanting to play with a buddy, but we would always run out of time because we would get there before the movie and we'd have to go in and see the movie. And so we'd be playing the game and we'd be making it further than we'd ever made it before and watching our watches and just like have to just leave the game going, which <laughs> is so sad for an arcade experience. It's just miserable, you know, and we would just, every time we walked into that theater or like if I went there with my parents, they weren't going to play with me, you know, but I would see it and I just have this longing to play Silkworm. The thing about it that was so unique to me was, you know, I was raised on playing things like Moon Patrol and, and whatever. And Moon Patrol was just revolutionary on so many levels. But the thing that Silkworm was like, it was like an inverted Moon Patrol when you were playing as the chopper because you were shooting both down and forward. Right. Whereas, of course, in Moon Patrol, you're shooting up and forward. And I just thought, what a simple thing. And yet it's familiar and it, it's a totally different way of thinking about things. Your brain has to operate in different ways. And the fact that the Jeep could jump, I mean, that was too, too cool. Mm -hmm. You know, a jumping car, come on. And, uh, you know, so for me, Silkworm represented this game that was so powerful because it, it had two different play styles. It was two-player co-op, awesome all around, and then all the power-ups that you could get, but you had to share them. You know, or you could share them if you got a co-op friend who was a good co-op player. They would share them. So it was like a multi-layered game where the two players were doing stuff that was totally different. So it's not like you had two spaceships flying and you're both doing the same thing at the same time, but you had one guy driving and one guy flying. So that was they were both different. You had to do some resource management to share your power-ups. I had to always watch the ground as the chopper. And when there were those bosses that were flying, the Jeep had to help me up top. So it was this awesome interplay of many, many, many different layers. 
despite the colors only having two layers. You know? <laughs> like, so the gameplay to me was so incredible. That's really what stuck with me with, with Silkworm. And as a kid, I never beat it, you know, quote unquote, beat it, right? So I never right. completed the game in the arcade. And as an adult, I went to California Extreme and, you know, where they've got all the games on free play. I'm going to tell you right now that Silkworm on free play sucks. It is like Gauntlet. You need to be putting the quarters in. Uh-huh. It, that is part of the game, is putting the quarters in. Silkworm was sort of like this game that I fantasized about growing up. Like, I need to beat that. That's so good. It's so good. It's so good. And then I played it at California Extreme and I wrapped it in like 15 minutes. And it was not a challenge because it was on free play. And then I got bored with it. And then I was kind of like, oh, well, that's all Silkworm had to offer. And then I left. (laughs) You know, so that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, it has no ending. It just gets to a point where it says, oh, you can't continue anymore. Sorry. So then when you die, then that's the end of it. And that's the end of it. And it's just boring because it's already wrapped and it's... (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, I think if you are in an arcade where there's quarters involved, see how far you can make it in Silkworm with a friend. You know? Mm. That's what I do. I like the fact about this game that you get a little bit of cut scenes in the beginning, like a guy in a helmet and maybe one other thing. I don't even, I think it's like very abstract, whatever the other thing was. And then there's no other story during the game. And I really like that because you don't need a story. Who cares? No. You're yeah, fucking it sets you up. <laughs> it sets you up and you get to make the story up in your head. Kill everybody. <laughs> let's talk about some of the end. Well, let's talk about the Jeep. And let's talk about the four buttons. Let's talk about everything at once. Okay, let's okay. both start talking at the same time. Ready? The, the, can the fire Jeep can jump and it can has fire four at buttons, an angle. Four buttons. So one button jumps, the other button fires straight up, I think. And then the third button, one button fires forward and the other button fires back. Yes, that that's right. I, I wish you could Is that just how pull. it goes? Yeah. I thought that you could angle it with your joystick up and that's how you got the angled shot. Uh, maybe that's true. I didn't play a lot as the Jeep. I played a lot as the chopper and that one, the four buttons angle you down and angle you up as well as dropping bombs and uh, shooting. Gosh, it's been, it's been a few years since I played it. So now I'm, you know, I should have studied up a little bit more. I was just all excited because it was this game that I, you know, had this emotional reaction to that I loved. Uh, that's you know, but I can't. I'm trying to remember the actual mechanics of the buttons. I, I I don't, but I do know that being able to fire at angles and jump as a jeep was super awesome. And behind you, mm-hmm. yeah. that was very important. Yeah, you really had to do that uh, if yeah. you were playing two player. Yeah, you had to watch the watch your back, yeah. which which is neat because we call it in the office here. Uh, we call it front humping. So if you're playing a shooter and you move your spaceship, your Jeep, whatever, to the front of the screen where the enemies are mostly coming, mm-hmm. that's more dangerous, right? Yeah. You don't want to front hump. It's too risky. But Silkworm forces you to front hump a little bit because they're sending dudes in from behind. Mm-hmm. So again, I think that this game is its much deeper than it seems. That's why I think it's stuck with me all these years. Yeah. Like I said, four buttons, which get a little confusing uh, because of how you can angle your ships by using the buttons, but you're yeah. also firing and trying trying to fire everything at once, of course, like you do in a shooter. Mm-hmm. And we usually save this for the end. What could you improve? What could you do? Whatever. But this one, I would have liked to have seen that 
Twin Stick Stern Rescue from 1982 brought into play because if this was Twin Stick, uh, oh, wait a minute, then it would suck. Uh, <laughs> well, you know what it would be? It would be that newish game by PopCap, Heavy, oh gosh, what is it? It was on Xbox Live Arcade. Um, I'm going to call it Heavy Gondola. Okay, yes, Heavy Gondola. That was a very fun game. Um, but that's what this would have been. <laughs> I really thought I had the, the solution to this, and then I remembered, oh, wait, you have to fire. So tilting your joystick up and down in every direction and firing would make it a completely different and weird game. So yeah. I guess this is the only way you could do it, unless the joystick would actually allow you to angle yourself uh, more. If it was a spinner. Oh, you know. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you had a spinner and a and a shooty button, like, that would be fun. That'd be yeah. very cool. Yeah, we could use the Tron joystick on here. That would have been that might have made it. Oh boy, <laughs> I think <laughs> those, those things just break off. So let's talk about uh, the the enemies. You got a mixed bag here. When you start the game, you think you're playing a regular war game, and then all of a sudden these. I don't know, yellow and orange ships coming on and then there's these helicopters that form some type the, of the baby goose. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. goose. It's like a baby bird that flies. Um, yeah. or an ostrich. But it's like an flying it's got ostrich. That, it's got that energy core which you always thought, oh, I could shoot its core because it, you know the energy core comes out first and mm-hmm. then it forms around it right, right. you can't you can't shoot the core right you it's, can't start you can't start shooting the pieces of it yeah that thing was a pain what a weird thing to happen yeah i mean pretty cool pretty cool i, I think so pretty bizarre because pretty bizarre the backgrounds yeah. the backgrounds seem to be wanting to take you through different parts of the world i do recognize as supposed to be greece because there's a statue and there's columns mm-hmm. Yeah. Another one has some type of ziggurats, but they look like the Tower of Babel paintings. So <laughs> they're I just mean, standing there. I don't know what it's supposed to be. <laughs> it's basically, I think it's just archetypal, yeah. recognizable environments or something. You're yeah. right. But you, As, so you start off like in the woods and mountains. So you think, oh, I'm in the woods and mountains, uh, you know, choplifter game. I always remember the like desert type of environment it, it kind of makes me feel like a you know like a desert storm vibe you mm-hmm, know or whatever mm-hmm. middle eastern war intrigue it does just sort of fall apart into well what would be kind of neat in the background oh let's do that tecmo probably not known for their shooters this is an interesting entry ultimately i would call it a success i just have to come back to it don't play it on free play it's, it ruins the game. Yeah. Um, but I would call it a success. I think it's a really neat game, and I think that it's got some opportunities to be explored again in a modern way. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, because how many versions of Choplifter were made, as, as mentioned before? Yeah, and some are good and some are bad, but they do keep trying. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wish that they would keep trying with Silkworm. Yeah, where are different types of vehicles... There's not a lot of those. So yeah. we need No, more. there's not. The only other thing I wanted to mention was for some reason the bosses are a little bit repetitive and equally bizarre. 
Uh, yes. Not just the goose boss, but tanks that look like no other tanks you've ever seen. And then there's mechs. There's people like in mech suits with jumping robot heads. You kill some of these things so quickly that you don't even get a real chance to see how weird they are. And my favorite is the one tank where you shoot its sort of brain head, but then it rolls out limpet mines at you. I don't remember that. Was there like a weird alien thing in there too at some point? Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. There are these sort of balls. There's these balls that I guess could be like sideways UFOs. And like I said, the mech suits sort of had UFOs that were their heads that would land on the walking mechs and then it come out. Oh, yes. UFOs. Yes. Yes. Now that you mention them like that. Yes. That was cool. It is cool. There's so much to this game that's so cool. One thing that I always thought was weird, you mentioned it earlier, why is it called Silkworm? Um, and this is one of the things that I always thought was the worm, which is kind of ridiculous, but I'll say it anyway. You remember those little, it had those little uh, shielded domes on the yeah, ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They, they were reminiscent of a, of a grub to me. You're right. You know? And then they would open up, and I, I always kind of thought, like, oh, we're after, we're going after the grub lords <laughs> or whatever. All different types of ground missiles. It's, wow, what a mishmash of stuff. Yeah. But still yeah. very, very fun, and we can tell you how fun it is because there's a game that you might have played later for your Super Nintendo. First of all, who released this for the home consoles was a company called, interestingly enough, Sales Curve. Sales, Sales Curve. curve. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite companies. Great game company. <laughs> but they would go on to make um, SWIV, not to be Silkworm 4, believe it or not. It's supposed to be, huh. I don't know, special weapon, interceptor, velocity or something. Something stupid that they made up to not be Silkworm 4. But it's basically the same type of thing, except that it's uh, horizontally scrolling. And then, of course, uh, Super Silkworm for everyone knows as firepower 2000 what it was wait a minute it was a sleeper hit on the super nintendo okay so i felt like i knew shooters and uh i've never heard of this oh okay well like i said it was sleeper so you might have been asleep okay i may have been asleep so get out your super nintendo grab a buddy and be Mm -hmm. a futuristic helicopter and a fast futuristic tank and once again it's horizontally scrolling instead of vertical and it is called Firepower 2000. Firepower 2000. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm going to write that down. Came out in 1994 under the title a Super SWIV for the Super Famicom and the uh, Mega Drive as well. Neat. I learned something. Yeah, Square Enix was also involved. Now's the time to show where we do one of my favorite things, the one-sentence review. Alex, being the industry co-host, please, you go first. Okay, so my one-sentence review for Silkworm is this is a game that has much more depth than it looks like. And if you are going to play it at all, which you should, you should definitely play it with a friend and do not have it on free play. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of a run-on, but we will accept it as being perfect. I was about it i think it was grammatically correct it was it was you just would have gotten a d minus in in, in a, <laughs> oh that, that, that's in line with my uh, high school career so okay. here's mine uh silkworm that wasn't part of the one sentence review here's my one sentence review 
play Silkworm for an incredible two-player, non-same <laughs> fighting shooter, but you had me at Limpet Mines. That's it. I That's like that. Head. Yeah. I like that. Fun. <laughs> fun. Definitely fun. fun. Yes. Yeah. Both agree. Alex Noisy, thank you so much for being on We Talk Games again. I hope that we get to talk to you in the future and maybe talk about some of those other games that you mentioned, but maybe different versions of them so they're yeah. a little more obscure. And I hope that you get to play Firepower 2000, and I hope more success in the future for Choice Provisions. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's always nice talking to you. Uh, next time, let's have it not be five years. Mm, mm, indeed. And if anyone is interested, check out Runner3.game. Oh, we will. I hope that you like us. Bye-bye. Yes, of course. We do? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Yes. All right. You're welcome.